Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo. We specialize in author interviews, audiobook and podcast production, as well as the prestigious Firebird Book Awards. We also feature our fun and short podcast that allows authors to record their own writing tip to share on our Boom Bang Oh My Gosh Wow podcast, which you will find along with the rest of our offerings at speakuptalkradio.com. Well, today I am thrilled to share a recent Firebird Book Award winning author with you. She is Patricia Levy, and her winning book is titled Celestial Bodies. Patricia Levy, PhD, is a best selling, award winning publisher, arts advocate, and internationally recognized leader in research design and arts based research. She is widely considered the world's most visible proponent of arts based research as a means of making research publicly accessible. Moreover, she coined the terms social fiction and fiction-based research. A prolific author, Patricia has published over 40 books. She has earned critical and commercial success in both nonfiction and fiction, and her work has been translated into numerous languages. As I mentioned, she's garnered many, many awards, and really there's just so much more to know about her, which you can access at her website, patricialevy.com. Right now, let's get going because we have lots to talk about. So welcome to the network, Patricia. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, you're welcome. And congratulations on the book win. That was exciting for me to share with you. Oh, thank you so much. I was absolutely thrilled. This book was such a passion project. And also the spirit of these awards just aligned so beautifully with the themes that I was overjoyed. Oh, thank you. I appreciate your saying that. You know, before we get into your book, I want to ask the question about the terms social fiction, fiction fiction-based research. Tell us about that. Well, really, I took a backdoor approach to writing. When I was a little kid, I loved writing more than anything in the world. I actually tried to write my first novel when I was 10 years old. And of course, it didn't pan out because I was 10 years old. But I always thought that I would be a novelist. And ultimately, I didn't pursue that as a career. Once I was in school, I became a sociology major, and I ended up going to graduate school and getting my master's and PhD in sociology. And so I did become a writer, but a very different kind of writer. I was an academic writer writing sociological nonfiction. Um, and as time went on, I started to feel like the writing I was doing was not engaging, it was dense, it was boring. The only other people who would want to read it are academics. And I was actually writing about subjects that a lot of folks would be interested in. I was writing about relationships, friendships, romantic relationships, body image issues, self-esteem struggles. I was interviewing women about all aspects of their lives, but nothing um, engaging was coming out in the writing, and the kind of writing I was doing is not designed to really reach wide audiences. And so I started wondering if there were other ways to do research, and I stumbled upon arts-based research, which people have been doing for decades, but it was new to me. And it's really combining academic research and academic perspectives with the arts and humanities. And so it could be many things. It could be visual art. It could be creating a play based on your research. Or in my case, it could be writing fiction. And so I started writing fiction about my research. And my first novel, Low Fat Love, came out about 10 years ago. And it was loosely grounded in cumulative insights I had for a decade about doing interview research with women about their relationships and identities. 
And the response to the novel, which, by the way, it's not a great novel. It was my first effort, so I feel like I did the best I could, but it was by no means you know, the greatest novel you're ever going to read, but it was incredibly well received. Uh, to this day, 10 years later, I still receive notes about it. And I actually just put out a 10th anniversary edition, Low Fat Love 10th anniversary edition, and actually rewrote the whole book to do that. So I'm, I'm proud of how it came out. But what I learned from that experience was that fiction was a way of sharing um, my insights from my research, sharing common experiences, helping to people to reflect on their own lives, to reflect on the culture that we live in. And I just became completely hooked. And I just started writing fiction ever since. And more than a do- dozen novels in, I seem to not be able to stop myself. And so I coined the term social fiction to give other academic authors a way to talk about this kind of work. Because it turns out loads and loads of people are doing this work. They're taking their teaching or research insights and they're intertwining it with their imagination and coming up with these fictional works. But they really didn't have a, a way to situate it on the market, a way to talk about it, a way to talk about it in academia. So that's how I came up with the idea of social fiction. Oh, that is so fascinating to me. I have spent years and years as a researcher in patient safety and doing work with hospitals on the patient experience. And, and all of my books and work have been, as you say, nobody's going to read it other than those that are within the field or those are who are concerned about patient safety. And I've often thought, well, I could take so much of what I've learned here and create a medical thriller or something like that. So, um, Oh, you absolutely <laughs> could. And I just have to say that, you know, the American founder of neurology was a fiction writer and wrote many novels and plays and short stories. And so there's actually this long history mm-hmm. of folks in the, the healthcare industry writing, uh, writing about their observations and experiences using fiction. So I hope that you will do that someday. Okay. Now, can you find some time? Because if you can do that, then I can get this done. <laughs> I know, right? That's, that's always the trick. <laughs> oh, I love this conversation. Thank you so much. All righty. Well, now let's get into your book titled Celestial Bodies, the Tesley and Jack Miller novels. Give us a peek. Okay, so this actually all started, I mean, it really started by fluke. I, I I was writing something, and I was having writer's block. And I don't love the term writer's block, because I do feel like as authors, we can always work through it. But let's just say I was really stuck on what I was working on. So I went outside um, onto the balcony that's off of my office and just sort of looked up at the sky, just breathing some air and trying to think about what I was going to do next. And all of a sudden, a completely different story came to me in a burst. Um, the entire story, sometimes I'll write an outline. It will take months. It can take a year or two to write a novel. But this just came to me in a burst. I wrote the entire thing, the first draft, in 10 days, and it's called Shooting Stars. And it follows this epic love story between these two people, Tess and Jack, The novel begins the night that they meet, by chance, at a bar, Um, and really it's a story about two people who have wounds, both visible and invisible, and they've never had real personal happiness in their lives, even though they have great relationships with friends and that sort of thing, and they find happiness with each other. There's this expression that hurt people hurt people. 
But sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes hurt people are able to love one another in extraordinary ways. And that's what this novel explores. And so after 10 days, I had finished a full draft of it and I, I just poured out of my soul. And I felt really depressed on day 11 because I love these characters so much. I love their friends. I love their story. I love the, the lessons of light and healing in the story. And I just couldn't believe that it was over. And so on day 12, I started writing the next novel, Twinkle, and fast forward, it became six short novels, Shooting Stars, Twinkle, Constellation, Supernova, North Star, and Stardust. And together, the entire book is an exploration of the power of love and love and healing in our lives. Um, and it's, it's an epic love story, so it is a romance, but it's also more than that. It's a story about learning to balance darkness and light in our lives. It's a story about friendship. Um, it's a story about how we treat one another. Oh, my gosh. I love this. So organic. Here you are standing outside, and it comes to you in a burst. I just love the word burst, too, because I'm sure that describes it perfectly. And then you say that each of your novels focuses on love at the intersection of another topic. And I, I like the way you framed that at the intersection of healing, doubt, intimacy, trust, commitment, and faith. It's genius. Oh, thank you. You're so kind. I mean, it, it really genuinely happened completely organically. Um, I'm usually a planner in, in all areas of life. I mean, I'm the kind of person, if I'm going to, you know, go on a vacation, I'm planning it a year in advance and booking my tickets and writing an itinerary. That's the kind of person I usually am. But this was completely different. It just came to me and it, it really took hold of my soul. And so I allowed it to come through me in a very organic way. So each book in, in the the series basically takes place a year later. So between the six books, you follow this couple and their loved ones over a seven-year period in total. And the first book, Shooting Stars, really looks at love and healing, how unconditional love um, in, in different forms and from different people can help us heal from whatever those wounds are that we carry. And then the second book, Twinkle, looks at love and doubt that sort of haunting feeling that we all have, are we enough, are we good enough? Um, and then the next book, Constellations, which is my personal favorite in the series, it looks at love and intimacy and really what is intimacy between people because there are different versions of it. And it goes on and on until Stardust, the last book, which looks at love and faith. And the titles of each of the books are, are, you know, somebody said to me when Shooting Stars first came out, which it came out on its own before I had the collection, and someone said, oh, Shooting Stars, it must be, you know, that sort of romantic idea we have that when you fall in love, you see shooting stars. And I said, well, actually, that's not what it means at all. So you'll have to read the book. Um, but each of the titles is a metaphor in the book, and you learn exactly what the title means pretty late into each book in the series, but it's, it's a metaphor, um, for something important that the characters are learning about themselves and about the world. Oh, and what universal appeal. Everybody has to heal from something. Everybody has doubts. Everybody has trust issues. All of that has to really resonate with your audience. I think so. I mean, I, I will say this. I, you know, I laughed and cried while I was writing each of these books. Like, they really, really tugged on my heart in sort of every way that a book could, more than anything I'd ever done before. And as you said, you know, I mean, I've published like 40 or so books. So I'm, I'm not a new author, but I've never had this kind of experience. 
And when people started reading them, first um, friends, people in my writing group, uh, then early reviewers, and then ultimately readers, the kinds of notes that I would get. I mean, people people would say that they just couldn't put it down, that they literally read it, um, you know, shooting stars in one day. People have told me that they've read the collection, Celestial Bodies, which is a big book. It's 800 pages. People have told me that they read it in a weekend because they just couldn't put it down because it had their whole heart. And I've received the loveliest notes from people um, who relate to it in all different kinds of ways. So one woman emailed me a note that this book really showed her how we should treat one another, um, how we should treat our friends, our romantic partner, and that she she will always think about that every time she speaks to her husband, every time she speaks to people in her life, she will think about how she's treating them. Then I had another woman who emailed me. She's elderly, and she said she emailed me about an assault that she experienced when she was a teenager, and she said in her life she's never said it out loud to anybody, um, but she felt deep healing from reading Tess's story um, in this book, and so she sent me this incredible note. And and then I have uh, a colleague who is gay, and she read the whole collection, and Tess's best friend, Omar, um, is gay, and he has a journey in the story that is related to wounds he has from his family letting him go because of who he is. And she read the collection, and there's a moment in Stardust, the last book, that just brought her to her knees. She said it gave her language to describe things that she had gone through. Um, so the responses I've been getting from people are really, really emotional, really resident. The thing I hear more than anything is something like, it had my whole heart. Um, and people have been saying that to me over and over again. For me, when I was writing it, when I was writing these books, I honestly felt like I was wrapped in this huge hug, like just the warmest, warmest embrace. And my hope was that other people would feel that when they read it. And um, I have been getting messages like that. So it's it, it means so much to me. Oh, how beautiful. How beautiful. Don't you wonder where all of this comes from? Where where did you pull all of this from? Personal experiences, people you knew, where where did what did you use to draw from? I think it comes from different places. I mean, I I definitely, you know, my life is very different than these characters. So for example, Tess, um, who's our protagonist, she is the most successful author in the world. You know, she's a billionaire. She's very famous. She's on the cover of magazines. So she's a very aspirational character. And in many ways, she's not like me or you or people we know because she has this larger-than-life life. But on the flip side, she had deep childhood pain, um, which she carried with her and made it difficult for her to to really love or to be loved. Um, to really embrace her success. And I definitely relate to that. I've had my own, they're different from tests, but I've had my own childhood experiences and wounds that I carry. And you see later in life how those things, you do carry them with you. And they do make um, it difficult to always embrace the good because sometimes you're looking for the black cloud when really you should be looking for the light. So I do think part of it comes from my own experiences. Part of it comes from things I've witnessed. I also absolutely believe in a process of co-creation. So I do think these stories and, and these resonant themes sort of exist in the world and we channel them. 
So celestial bodies came through my filter. So it's written differently than if somebody else wrote it. But I think these, these themes exist out there in the world and that's why they connect with us. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. So wonderful. So you're done with this collection. And as you said, when you did the first one, you, you missed your characters. How are you surviving without them now? Oh, Pat, thank you for asking, because I have to tell you, it's been really difficult. In fact, originally, after I wrote Shooting Stars and I realized there was going to be another book, Twinkle, at that point, I sort of knew it's going to be a series. And I actually thought there were going to be four books, Shooting Stars, Twinkle, Constellations, and Supernova. And I thought Supernova would be the last book. And I finished it. And then, what do you know, a worldwide pandemic hits. And we are all in lockdown, <laughs> and I'm locked down in my house, and I'm missing my characters deeply, and I'm, I'm missing normal life, what we all thought of as normal life, like everybody else. And I'm missing, you know, being able to see people in person and hug people and all the sort of normal affection you have in your life that we used to all take for granted until we were all in lockdown and afraid to go near other human beings. And so I thought, you know, what's the world I want to escape to right now? And I thought, I want to escape to Tess and Jack's world because it is a very affectionate, very loving, very beautiful world. And that is how North Star, the fifth book in the series, came to be. I hadn't intended it, but the lockdown happened. And honestly, when I started writing it, I thought, gee, I'm probably writing a novel that doesn't need to exist. You know, I thought I was done. But as it turns out, it's one of my favorite in the series, and readers have said it's one of their favorites, too. And I realized there were many things I had known about Tess and Jack that hadn't came out in earlier books that came out in North Star. So it was meant to be. And while I was finishing North Star, I realized there was one more level to the, the journey of these characters, and that would be Stardust. And so that all happened organically, too. And, and it, it really saved me during the pandemic that I got two extra books out of these characters. But I have to tell you, it was really hard to let them go. I know them so well, and not just Tess and Jack, but all their friends who were like my friends that I you know, would mentally hang out with every day um, for months and months and months. And I easily, I'm sure, could have written a seventh book. I know what happens to them next in my own imagination. Um, but I decided not to do it because, first of all, I didn't feel like it was fair to readers. At some point, you're asking too much of readers to, to keep going um, with characters. I mean, if, if readers come back to me in a year or two years and they say, we just need more Tess and Jack, I definitely know what the next story would be, and I'd be very happy to write it. But if that's not the case, I feel like it becomes burdensome. And then the other side of it was, to be honest, I was a little nervous as a creative person who I've always been a creative, and I've been a full-time author for a decade, but I've been publishing books for over two decades. I started to get nervous that, you know, I don't want to limit myself. Like, what if I can only write about Tess and Jack and their <laughs> friends? I, and I really did start to get worried because they came so easily to me and much more easily than anything else had that I just got worried that I could get locked. So I, I made myself a promise that I would be kind to readers by stopping it at Stardust. And I would I would have enough faith in myself that I'd be able to write something else, which I have. I've I've written three other novels since, which are waiting to be released. Um, which also, you know, it, it took some of the pressure off missing Tess and Jack that I created new characters who I also love. But I do have to say, these characters are nearest and dearest to me. Um, they're the only books I reread of my books. 
Um, 40 books in, I've never reread any of my books unless I've had to put out a new edition or something of that nature. But other than that, I, I don't look back at them. But I have reread every book in this series multiple times. Um, and I can absolutely see myself picking the book off my bookshelf at some point and sitting and reading one or all of the novels again when I want to be in their world. So that's the good news. While it was hard to let them go as a writer, I still can enjoy them as a reader. Oh, how wise of you to realize and know when it is time to move on, like you say, not only for your reader's benefit, but for your own personal growth as well. Well, you know, you can get stuck. And I think that, I think that all, all people need to think about that. And it's not just creative people. You can get stuck in any area of life if you just keep doing the same thing over and over again. Um, and I also felt like I grew tremendously as a writer writing these books. I mean, I truly feel like Celestial Bodies is the, the best part of my body of work. Um, truly. And I feel like I reached a new level as a writer and, I, you know, I hope that I reach a new level again. And so if I didn't push myself to do something else, I'm afraid that that wouldn't be possible. Oh, I love this. And your cover, your cover is very attractive. It's, it's, it's simple, but, but it isn't. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have to give a huge shout out to Mindy Rhodes, who is the artist who made the cover. And I'll just tell you a little about it. Um, I actually always had a vision for the cover of this book. I always thought that it was going to be lots of black and white stars because this is a journey of um, learning to balance darkness and light in our lives. And then when you go higher on the cover, there would be some colorful stars and there would be some sparkly silver and gold stars because the journey of the six books is learning to balance darkness and light in our lives, which by Supernova, the fourth book, the characters are able to do. And then in North Star, the fifth book, they learn to live in full color. And then in Stardust, the last book, they're able to accept the life course that eventually we will all return to Stardust. And so I always had this vision that the cover would would match those themes and capture those themes. But of course, I'm not a visual artist. I can barely draw a stick figure. So I had absolutely no way to realize my vision. And a colleague of mine who's an art educator and a visual artist contacted me. Um, the timing was just, it was serendipity because she literally contacted me out of the blue to see if I ever wanted to collaborate on something. When I had been spending weeks and weeks thinking about this book cover and how sad I was that I wouldn't have a way to realize it. And so I said, well, actually, I have a project you might be interested in. So she read all six books. Um, we had many, many Zoom meetings. She created many different options of what star shapes might look like and so forth. And she ended up creating the original cover art. And she also created six black and white illustrations that are in the book. So each book has their own cover. So Shooting Stars has its own cover image. Twinkle has its own cover image and so forth. And each of those six black and white pieces, they tell the story of that novel, but when you put them all together, it's like an installation, and it tells the whole story of darkness and light throughout the, the character's journey. So it was, it was just a great thrill to be able to work with Mindy on this. Sounds like she had fun with it as well. 
I think she did. I think we both had a fantastic time and, and it was great fun because at one point I was taking a trip and she had just sent me literally probably a hundred different images of star shapes and shooting star shapes and so forth. And I printed them all out and had them at JFK airport with me and was going through them and sending her my notes and. We just, we just had great fun. And I'll tell you, she came up with so many different options and every single one would have been fantastic. Mm -hmm. So it was actually hard to have to limit myself and pick. What a good problem to have. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) The best kind of problem, right? Absolutely. It all worked out so, so beautifully. Um, Also, I want to bring up that you have your own imprint, Paper Stars Press. Tell us more about that. Well, for the last, you know, 15 or 20 years, I have been a book series editor along with my own writing. I've been a book series editor for other publishers. So in total, I had created and served as series editor for 10 book series with Oxford University Press, Brill, Sense Publishers, and Indie Press that no longer exists, um, and Guilford Press. So all different kinds of publishers. And I just learned so much working on other people's books. And I'm very, very grateful to everyone I worked with. But at some point, I sort of thought, you know, I, I could take what I've learned and and created, and I could do this myself. And so I decided to start my own imprint, Paper Stars Press. And I'm actually right now only publishing my own work through the press. Um, and I've worked with traditional publishers on 40 books. So I've done that. I've worked with academic publishers. I've worked with trade publishers. Um, I've done all of it. And so I know all of the advantages of working with traditional publishers. But there are a lot of advantages to doing it yourself when you have the kind of publishing experience that I have. And I'm a big proponent of artists owning their own creative work. Um, and so, in fact, even now when I do do deals with existing publishers, I they're usually um, hybrid publishers or it's more of a licensing deal or there there are deals where I can own my creative work. Um, and so that's really important to me as a novelist. And as an academic author, it's different. I'm willing to partner with um, my publisher, Guilford Press, and it's a different kind of thing. But for the, the art you create when you create a novel, I really feel that authors should own that and be able to make their own decisions about licensing foreign translation rights or entertainment rights or anything else. And so that's why I started um, Paper Stars Press. And so far, it's been great. So, uh, so far, I've released three books through it. I released Low Fat Love, the 10th anniversary edition, which was fantastic because it was my debut novel, which came out a decade ago, I mentioned. But I was now finally able to put out the version I always wanted to put out because it's with my own imprint. And then I put out North Star, the fifth um, Tess Lee book. And now I put out Celestial Bodies, the entire collection, um, with my own imprint. And what's also great about it is that I'm able to give readers things I wouldn't be able to. So it's not only good for me as an author, but it's good for readers. Um, in fact, uh, when I shared Celestial Bodies on my Facebook page, a lot of people were commenting that it's such a fantastic price for a collection of six novels. And I said, yeah, well, the benefit is that I'm able to price it. Um, so I'm able to give readers maybe more than they would expect. And I'm able to work with creative artists like Mindy, 
Um, and it's been great. So, and I've always used freelancers my whole career anyway. So I'm still doing that. So I still work with a fabulous copy editor. I work with a great typesetter. So, and I was working with these folks before. So now I'm just able to do it and, and maintain that creative, um, control really. A lot to be said for that kind of freedom. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think that artists and writers, as well as scientists and all innovators, really thrive when they have freedom yep. um, and, and do their best work when they have freedom. I agree with you. Oh, my gosh, we've touched on a lot today. I want to make sure, though, that we are not missing anything that you wanted to highlight. No, I don't think so. I so appreciate this conversation. I mean, really, I would just say to anybody listening, if they're looking for a summer read or a holiday read or a gift for a loved one, because it really celebrates love and friendship, um, that I hope that people will look at Celestial Bodies, the Tesley and Jack Miller novels. They really came from the deepest part of my soul. And my hope is that when people read them, they feel embraced in the warm hug that I felt when I was writing them. And of course, it's available on Amazon and people can always go to my website, patricialevy.com. Levy is L-E-A-V-Y, patricialevy.com. And there are links to all of my social media and my other books as well. Thank you. So we're speaking with Patricia Levy. The book is titled Celestial Bodies. She has many more books available at her website, patricialevy.com, right? Yep, yep that's Pat- it. patricialevy.com. Oh my gosh, I was looking forward to this time with you today and it was just spectacular. Thank you so much for sharing from your heart, from all that you have learned in the past. I think you've shared a lot of good information with our listeners today and I hope you will also share more of your books with us at the Firebird. I would welcome another opportunity to have this conversation with you again. I would be absolutely honored. Pat, you are wonderful. Thank you so much.